Welcome back to Round the Cauldron, where we talk theology, philosophy, and everyday life as a modern witch. If you like the show, please leave a review wherever you listen to help other witches find me. Don't forget, you can help support the show at patreon.com slash roundthecauldron for as little as a dollar a month and get patron-exclusive content. If you're ready to hop into the show, grab some coffee, pull up a seat, and join me round the cauldron. Don't forget to enter my giveaway. It's still going on, roundthecauldron.com slash giveaway. Link will be in the description and in the show notes for this episode. Today, I want to talk about correspondences. So when a witch or any magical practitioner talks about correspondences, what they mean is basically something that has a significant meaning. I've talked on my blog about uh, different correspondences and what they mean for me. I've also made a free printable uh, for very basic color correspondences. I'll leave the link for that in the description and in the show notes if you want to check that out. But I've never really discussed more in depth of what correspondences are, how we come to get correspondences, how we use them, and what do you do if you don't know what the correspondence is. So let's talk about it. So a correspondence within witchcraft is basically anything that has any sort of significant meaning within your spell work. This can be colors, ingredients, herbs, spices, crystals, days, moon phases, sun phases, astrology, literally the list can go on and on and on. If you're new to witchcraft, I have a very good example of correspondences that can be used within witchcraft, but also people use it all the time and they don't even realize that they're using a correspondence, okay? So, roses, red roses, correspond with love. When someone gives someone red roses, it's typically a sign that they love the other person, right? People do this all the time for anniversaries, Valentine's Day, just because, you know, that is a common correspondence that is used widely here in the United States. I'm not sure about elsewhere, but that is an example of a correspondence. And the same thing can be said for roses within witchcraft. Normally, within witchcraft, roses are corresponded with love. So where do correspondences come from? This is something that I struggled with really as, as a beginner witch is... Where do they come from? Who comes up with them? And why do they mean these specific things, right? I don't know about the roses. I don't know why roses have come to mean love, but there are a lot of other schools of thought when it comes to magical correspondences for different things like herbs, flowers, crystals, and colors. For me personally, correspondences are very personal. Um, I have a few different ways written down here in my notes that I'm going to speak about that correspondences are either created or developed or found. But what I often find if you Google, you know, correspondence of oregano or something like that, you'll often find what the correspondence is, but it won't give you the reason why. And I am a big, I am a big advocate of asking why. I like to know why things are the way they are. And 
I know I can't be the only person that's like that. So we can go through and talk about some of the different methods of finding correspondences. But just know that if you end up looking in a book like Scott Cunningham's Encyclopedia of Magical Herbs, I think it's called, um, he lists a lot of different plants, but he doesn't list why they correspond with those particular um, aspects, emotions, or whatever they correspond with. There are those people out there who use the common correspondences and it works totally fine for them. That's wonderful. I'm not here to tell you that you're wrong. I'm just here to give you some extra information. So one of the first places that correspondences can come from is something called the Doctrine of Signatures. Now, I didn't know about the Doctrine of Signatures until I had asked on Twitter, I think last year, about where people get their information for, for their correspondences. And someone reached out to me and told me about the Doctrine of Signatures. And I'm like, what the heck is the Doctrine of Signatures? So I looked it up. It's essentially this big compilation of plant signatures or um, object signatures, okay? So the idea for the signatures came from the idea that God created everything with a sign for what the ob what the purpose of that object was. So the information was, it came from several different sources, but it was actually uh, made widely popular by a German man named, I'm gonna butcher this, so please forgive me, um, Jacob Bome. Uh, I'm not sure, I'll put a link in the description and in the show notes, I'll, I'll leave it there so you can find it. But he wrote a book in 1621 called The Signature of All Things. Now, within this, um, essentially what it means is that if you have a plant and it is shaped like the liver or the spleen or the ear, then they correlate the shape of that plant with the body part or body system that it can help with. So they would say like, okay, that plant is shaped like the human ear. Obviously, if you have an earache, then we're going to give you that herb or that plant and your ear is going to feel better. Another example would be like a tomato. A tomato is red, it is round and plump, and when you cut it open, it has four uh, quote-unquote chambers. So therefore, according to the doctrine of signatures, tomatoes would be good for healing of the heart because of the chambers and the color and the shape of the tomato. Now, some people use the doctrine of signatures for medicinal purposes. That's not what we're talking about here today. Um, and then others use the doctrine of signatures to get their magical correspondences. Another common method of finding correspondences for different um, plants, especially uh, different herbs and spices and flowers and things of that nature, is to actually look at what they are medicinally used for. Because in what I have found, the purpose of the plant in a medicinal way actually correlates with what it can do for you in a magical and spiritual sense. Before we continue with this section here, I have to put a disclaimer. Like always, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a medical professional. I am nothing of the sort. Please consult your physician before doing anything or taking any sort of herb or medication or anything of that nature. Okay? Okay. 
So we're going to look at lavender real quick and what the medicinal uses of lavender are. All right, so according to WebMD, lavender contains an oil that seems to have sedating effects and might relax certain muscles. It also seems to have antibacterial and antifungal effects. What do we use lavender for, everyone? Anxiety, depression, and a sense of calming. That directly correlates with the medicinal use of lavender. I'd like to challenge you here real quick to think about your correspondences for different herbs and plants. Look them up on WebMD or any other reputable source for herbs and plants and their medicinal properties and see if it correlates to your magical correspondence for that same herb. Another method of finding correspondences has to do with animism. So if you're not familiar with the term, an animist is someone who believes that everything has a soul. Everything has a spirit or some form of soul energy, okay? I myself am an, am an animist. That's hard to say. <laughs> so if you hold an animist view of the world, finding correspondences can be more can be more personal because if you don't know the purpose of something, all you have to do is ask. Now, in this case, that would mean sitting with whatever it is that you're trying to find the correspondence for. We'll go back to lavender. Sitting with some lavender, feeling its energy, communicating with it, and asking it what it can do to help you. What is its purpose and what is it good for? This will obviously take practice and it might feel a little strange if you don't have an animist viewpoint of the world, but it's another method. The last type of correspondences that I want to talk about are color correspondences. And I've written a blog post about color correspondences and whether they are emotional or traditional. I'll leave a link to that in the description and in the show notes if you want to read it. But for me, color correspondences are very personal and will vary widely depending on the individual who is using the correspondence. I view color correspondences as being very personal but also very heavily influenced by psychology and what we've been through in our lives. There is an entire science dedicated to studying color psychology and how colors affect the emotions of humans and animals alike. There are some colors who have very general, widely known, and common correspondences. So red for things like love and anger, you know, that's where that phrase seeing red comes from. Um, and yellow for happiness, blue for sadness, green for money and luck and things like that. But if you are a person who has had like a really bad experience with something pertaining to a color or you just don't like a color, that correspondence might be different for you. So me, for example, I am not a fan of the color yellow at all. I don't like yellow. I never have liked yellow. I don't know if it's just the color, but I find it very harsh and abrasive and looking at it does not make me happy. So for happiness, I wouldn't use yellow. I would use like a soft blue or a soft pink. Those are colors for me that represent happiness. 
So just keep that in mind when you're looking at correspondences. And this is why for the printable that I made, um, it's very, very basic. I used red, orange, yellow, green, blue, purple, and pink. And the correspondences there are basic. It's meant to be like a, a starting point because I feel like correspondences for colors are heavily influenced by your own experiences and psychology. So please keep that in mind when you're looking at the correspondences of different colors. So in that case, what has correspondences? Basically anything. Um, anything can have significant meaning in spell work. Candles, even down to what the candles are made from and how they're scented. Plants, as far as trees and herbs and flowers and all of those. Crystals, rocks, stones, colors, location. I mean, even the phases of the moon, the sun, the uh, astrological signs and where things are in the universe at a particular point in time, those all have correspondences. And when you do a spell, they don't have to be taken into account. Like every single one doesn't have to have specific meaning. It can, you know, if you want to make sure that you're doing a spell at the uh, right point of astrology, like, you know, Cancer has to be somewhere or Scorpio has to be somewhere. I'm not an astrology person. I have like no idea. But if you want to make sure that you're casting a spell on the right day at the right time with the right ingredients and the right colors, that's fine. But correspondences are meant to be help for you to get you into the right headspace and to give you a boost depending on what it is that you're using. So Correspondences aren't something that is necessary in magic. They are helpful, yes, but it's not something that has to be taken into account for every single little detail of your spell work, unless that's the way you want to do things. If you want to use correspondences in your magic, you can look at the different colors of candles that you burn, what they are scented with, um, herbs that you burn or consume if it's safe to do so, different flowers that you press. We can even look at the poppet that I made as an example. I'll leave a link in the description and in the show notes. And for those watching on YouTube, I will also put it up here, up here somewhere. <laughs> but everything that I used to make that poppet, except for the stuffing, had a correspondence. The fabric was, one side was red, one side was pink and purple with hearts. Um, and the thread that I used, I used three different colors of thread, pink, black, and white. I didn't include any scents or herbs because the person that it was for has extremely sensitive skin and has a lot of allergies, but I made sure that I corresponded the, not the ingredients, I corresponded the materials, that's what I was looking for, um, with my intention, and I also blessed and charged it under the full moon. So that's a very basic way that you can use correspondences within your magic. So what happens if you can't find a correspondence? Well, you can use one of the techniques that I have already listed. Check out um, any practical uses for what you're looking for. Lavender, willow, St. John's wort, oregano, you know, 
And it doesn't have to be herbs. If you're looking for the correspondence of a crystal, look and see if that crystal has any practical uses. Is it used in technology? Is it used in jewelry? What color is it? You know, all of these questions can help lead you to what the particular item is used for in a magical sense. And if all else fails, sit down with the item and meditate with it and see if you can get an answer from the item on what it can be used for. You might not find what a correspondence is for a specific thing and, you know, that's okay. Maybe you just need to look harder or maybe you're just not ready to find it yet or maybe there isn't one. Maybe you just need to create one. What does it mean to you? So I hope you found the information in this episode useful. Again, this episode is shorter. I am in the process of batch recording things because we're moving across the country soon. So as I said last week, these episodes are going to start to get a little bit shorter, but I'm still hoping to jam pack them full of good information. And if you have any questions or comments, let me know. You can comment below for those watching on YouTube, podcast listeners, shoot me a message on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, email, whatever. All of the links are in the description and in the show notes, and I will see you next time. Bye for now. As always, I'd like to thank my patrons over on Patreon. Thank you, Jess, and thank you, Rose, at wickenhomestead.com. If you'd like to help support the work that I do here at Round the Cauldron, you can go to patreon.com slash roundthecauldron and help out for as little as a dollar a month and get patron-exclusive content. You can also help out by purchasing something from my shop. You can find that link in the description and in the show notes.